Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for more Cracker in uh, what is a characteristically downer of an episode. Oh, I mean, this one is really bad. Or as or as I would call it, as yeah. we do so many of those other episodes um, on like Wire in the Blood and on Prime Suspect and the rest of it. Boy, the writers were trying to get just just tell the entire British public how wrong Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. What I was going to say, another reason to hate Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I oh, know it's a big one, and I mean it's a line that goes by in passing, uh, especially. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's just say that the whole "you're not allowed to be gay in public in Florida" that Ron DeSantis is trying to do now—that's yeah. something Margaret Thatcher actually passed in England in the eighties. Yeah, and 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 they're passing. They've passed in Uganda. Yeah. Where it's like, literally, you're not allowed to be gay in public. You essentially, you can't work as a teacher if you're gay, so on and so forth. Yes. Like, th that's a real thing. The whole don't say gay. You are not allowed to, in British schools, acknowledge the existence of homosexuality. Yeah. Like, and this that, is not that, a new thing that Ron DeSantis has invented. This is how it was actually like to live in England in the 80s and 90s. Like, it only stopped being a law in, like, 2006 or something insane like that. Yeah, and I, it's weird. The, it's the, um, that's what made the movie Pride. Yeah. So interesting. And for those of you who haven't watched it. Yeah. About these group of gay guys in the 80s in Thatcher's England supporting mm -hmm. the minors. Yeah. There was yeah. this, it was this unbelievably you know, strange bedfellows type of situation. Yeah, based on a true story. 100% based on a true story yeah. where like all no. of the, the <laughs> gay community in Wales just started like doing every, everything they could to support the workers. Yeah, well, they were in London and, but one of the guys was from this little village. Yeah. So they were, they were trying to decide who to support and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a well worth watching. I made my class watch it. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, again, the the gay politics in England in the eighties are just so terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, AIDS did a number on everybody. You know, and and hence we are seeing it in. But the only critique you're getting of it ultimately was in these kinds of shows. Oh, For yeah. sure, prime, prime sus, sus, suspect blasted it. Oh yeah. Uh, wire in the blood blasted it right with that very first one for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know, and you had it in in novels and things like that too. But, oh yeah, uh, no culture had to push back against this yeah. stuff. It was yeah, it was the the artist in the that had to push back. Mm -hmm. it was, it's um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it really I is. Want it showing up and getting worse again in Canada, but you can see it, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Never mind, you can see it. I don't want to talk. All right. Uh, so let's focus on the episode in that case. Episode cracker. Cracker. All right, here we go. So where do we start? Uh, I mean, that is so hard. Where do we start? How does the episode open? Isn't that it? That no, the episode opens with Cracker in his bed and his wife in bed. I think. Yeah, they're having that discussion, and and of course it's very unsuccessful. They can't. 
he can't get it up with his wife. Yep. And so he leaves and goes gambling and he wins and he leaves and he gets beaten up. Uh, and more importantly, he wins when someone was trying to cheat him. Yes, he wins when someone was trying to cheat him. They're and playing this truly bizarre game. But again, we talked last week about how, you know, you can bet on anything. Mm -hmm. uh, they literally are playing this game where you deal out uh, like a third of the deck or no, not, not even a third yeah. of the deck, like half of the deck. And you bet on like which suit is going to be the most cards. Yeah. Well, and not only that, it was in this case, it was how many hearts you would have. Yeah. Like, so the picks are what, what, what he, cause he bit said 42 picks. Yeah. Right. So that meant little symbols of the hearts on the card. Exactly. And yeah. so she tried to cheat him. And then, but, and so she and her boyfriend, I, I guess, beat him up. Oh yeah. And take their money took back. His, take, yeah. Took the money back. And then they go running off into the bush, bush mm -hmm. and they find this hanging dead body. Yep. And then we move over to the house where the son has, the younger son hasn't come home. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, it turned out that he didn't, he was, he was on his way to his dad's and he didn't get to his dad's. Yeah. And of and course she didn't realize any, the mother didn't realize anything was wrong until the next day. Yeah. You know, because that, that was pretty normal. He wasn't going to Yeah. Call. It's not like he calls when he gets to his dad place, which is less than a mile away. Yeah. You know? And so, yes. So then they call the police and then you start the. That investigation episode. and oof. Yeah. God only knows. I, I mean, this episode is so despicable. Yeah. It's so frustrating to watch for so many yeah. reasons. You know, I, 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 I can't complain about how it's written. I no. can't complain even about the ending, although I would like to, we would like a far more satisfactory ending than we get. Jesus, had. this ending. <laughs> This ending, I mean, I can remember the first time I watched it and I thought, well, there must be a third part. Nope. Nope. There's no third part to this. No. That's you know, the end of the story, um, as crazy as it seems. Yeah. And um, so we're watching, we're watching this thing. People are despicable. The police are even more despicable yeah. than they probably are in this. I mean, that's the one thing about here, right? Unlike, unlike Wire in the Blood. The police are really despicable. They are. Like they are just fully despicable in every way on this show. Yeah. So far, you you cannot say anything good about the police in England in yeah. this little town. No. Yeah. Where are they? I Is don't it know. Weird that I don't know where they are. Because they're not in London. It's got to be a bigger town. Like it's got to be one of the bigger towns that might be in the north. Um, one of the bigger towns for sure. But they don't ever name it. Okay. I don't think they ever ever name exactly where it is. It's sort of like they created Bradford for Wire in the Blood. Yes. So it's a big central. Uh, it's a big city. Yeah. But it's not um, as big as London. It's not. I don't know, because if you notice, they can get around pretty quickly. Yep. They never have any trouble with that. Yeah. They never seem to have any trouble sort of getting to places within 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, which makes it all the worse. 
So, I mean, all of it. I, 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 I mean, <clears throat> I hate this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I don't hate how it's written. I don't hate Cracker. I know. Um, but we'll get into why this episode is so frustrating. So, well, it, yes. So we see the cops looking for the kid, and uh, as as the parents recognize right away, you know the they send a DCI, you know, a detective chief inspector, uh, which is what. Uh, oh God, uh, Christopher Eccleston. I was trying to remember his character's name, but just give up. Yeah, uh, he's is he. It's Christopher Eccleston. You know, two, the both of them have names that start with B. Yeah. Well, we always remember Beck's name because it's so easy. Uh, but anyway, the point is, uh, he, of course, they're all worried that their child is dead because why would you send a DCI over a missing child? Which is, you know, reasonable thing to think. Like, you totally yes, but it's already the 24 hours is basically pretty close to being up already. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're 20 hours into this kid being missing. And then yeah. he gets a call saying that his wife has gone into labor. So he's got to rush out to deal with that. Uh, meanwhile... Fitz and Penn Halligan are just arriving, uh, doing their flirty car banter that they always do. And he and Fitz is told to go in there and uh, to talk to them. We think the kid is dead, but don't tell them that. Which, yeah. Jesus, guy. Like, I know why that's important, but it's just so brutal to see him do it so casually. Well, the, well yes, but you, you, the whole problem is, is that you never know if it's someone in the family. And I will tell you that certainly I would, I walk out of this wondering if there is a family member involved. Yeah. You know, you do walk out of this. We're going to screw this, this episode kind of up because it's such a weird, it's a weird episode. But it's also it has almost no traditional police investigation. No, and it's so it is so disturbing the social consequences of all of this. Yeah. So you hate it. You really, (laughs) really, really do. Okay, so let's uh let's get into it. So they go to the uh he goes to the house and he talks to them, and they found one of the shoes, right? They found one of the shoes. And Fitz notices that it is, I'm not going to use the word flamboyant, but it is a very elaborate shoe, white with a bunch of colors on it. And as the guy, the kid's older brother says, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that shoe. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is a way to get bullied. And so we're immediately getting in and uh, Fitz immediately goes upstairs and goes not to the, uh, uh, you know, goes not to the kid's room, the missing kid's room, but the older brother's room. Yeah. Because he's detected antipathy, and so he wants to know more about this guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He uh, obviously has no real fondness for his little brother. Right? It's amazing. And you do see... When do you see the first picture of the little brother? Uh, I think when they go to hit the little brother's room. Okay. Yeah. Right? You know, um, and it's... I mean, yeah. And and then it is clear the little brother looks like a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a key part. Also, it's notable. Oh, and uh, just for the record, we find out that it wasn't la- it wasn't labor. Right. It wasn't yeah. real labor. The wife's not actually in labor. She's late and he's uh, kind of freaked out and rushing all over the city about it. Like he had Penalgan drive him home because he like 
is so worried about the situation that he's not able to drive himself. Yeah. What I, what I, yes. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of interesting that part of the story that um, why would he never have said anything to anybody else that what we learn a little bit later on, because yeah. is a pain about this mm-hmm. and is that, that they lost their first child after yeah. and, and the child had been born. Yeah. So, you know, and then they lost the child basically after childbirth. So, so know, yeah, he's understandably very, very nervous. There's a reason for it, but I don't know why it was such a big secret. Yeah. So, yeah. and now this is the key part. He finds in the kid's bedroom, he yeah. finds this uh, book, right? Mm-hmm. He finds this poetry book. And the problem is, I don't know enough about poetry to understand the significance that this poet is what is found in the room. Because it's obviously based on Fitz's reaction to it and his immediate saying, who's his English teacher as the next person he needs to talk to. The very existence of this book is somehow important, but yeah. I don't know anything about poetry. So. Okay. No, who, who is the author? That one I'm going to, I'm going to go look up what, who the author was. And you can tell me what this was supposed to mean. Uh, all right. It's like, you know, it's that Wilfred one. Owen. Oh yes. Yes. Renowned gay poet. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, so now a lot more of the episode makes sense to me. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Wilfred Owen. I couldn't remember. So I was coming up Ezra Pound, but he was, it, it's all from the, uh, from the, from the time in the twenties when they were all going to Germany. Okay. In the Weimar Weimar Republic, yeah, like, and they were all gathering there because it was the first place, you know, that was well where it was easy to live as a gay yeah. or a trans or anything. Yeah, you could live as anything. I mean, you couldn't do any surgeries or yeah, anything. But like they that were because... they were accepting and they were open. For the and first yeah, it, particularly Berlin. So they yeah. all show up at Berlin at one point. Christopher Isherwood, for example, Ezra Pound sent him there. Um, yeah. And Wilfred Owen and a few of these others. Right. So, yeah, you know, now him needing to go, cause it's like, it's a 14 year old kid who's reading this famously gay British poet. Yeah. Okay. Now them going straight. I, I assumed it was something along those lines, Yeah, but I had but it no all, idea it, what the reference was. It was all this t- you had, because you had, um, the blooming, blooming, oh, oh. I keep going Bloomingdale and it's not Bloomsbury group. Yeah. Right. Which was famously, I mean, people like Virginia Woolf. Right. And uh, Vivian Sackville West. And um, so they were um, polysexual would be the only way you would describe them. This is the time of Forrester. Um, yeah. Which is uh, who writes novels. He famously wrote Maurice, mm-hmm. which didn't get published until long after he was dead. I think in the sixties it finally got published. Um, and he and he was the one famously when I was t- doing English because I started off at U of O as an ultimately I was going to be an English major. Yeah, and if I had stayed at U of O, I might have stayed as an English major and never gotten into this religion stuff. Imagine so, that. Imagine that. Um, but my 
my first year English teacher was definitely gay, ex-priest, but yeah. gay, right? And out and, well, as out as you could be. Right? Um, you know, I can remember some of my compatriots going over there to his and his partners, who was another English teacher's uh, house and being shocked that they only had one Oh, you're so naive. You know, and and I mean, my argument about people like uh, Forster, who is Passage to India, Howard, those sorts of novels, and he writes women so well. Yeah. And he lived with his sisters and stuff, Mm. but he writes women so well. And I just, well, you know, he was gay. He, you know. (laughs) He understood women better. I mean, let's not forget, like, a- as we later learn. I mean, this is a, uh, a quite a uh, quite a departure, but it's the same exact situation. It's like you're you're Little Mermaid about this uh, mermaid who can't ever be with this man because they're from different worlds, and she's you know a strange creature and turns into foam at the end because she can't find love. I mean, it's entirely based on Hans Christian Andersen being unable to be with the straight man he was obsessed with. Well, yes. Well, and as Cassie would have, your old acting coach. Theater coach, yes. Theater coach. As Cassie would say, yes, but when you can't get, when you can't come out, what you do is you attach yourself to an inappropriate, completely unattainable. Yep. Partner, woman, either woman or man, to obsess over. Oh yeah, that's what you know. Um, it, it should, that way, they will never have to deal with their internal life. Yes, with their internal life. Now that, at least by the nineties, is has changed. But I can still remember the when when I found out that this one friend and somebody came and told me, "Did you know she was a lesbian?" Well, and then. I, <laughs> Oh, God, help me. Um, well, I didn't. That wasn't the point. But it all of a sudden made sense. Yeah. Because I had been that person that she was attached to. Right. Um, and it turned out that after she left, she got um, she got a, 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 a post-grad somewhere in the States. And then she met someone else that I knew down there. Um, that that she became partners with. Oh. She never ever told me. I mean, that's the strange thing is she never ever told me she was with Susan. She never told me when we because uh, we got in contact. But then that's why I brought it up with Cassie. I yeah. said, so she says, oh yeah. She said, but when you're because she'd been in, married and she had a child and she'd been in another relationship with a man, and um. And that's when Cassie, so Cassie and I are discussing this. And she says, oh, yeah, that's when she gave me this piece of info, right? Yeah. Yeah. About so, why yeah, they do that. Yeah. Why, why it's done, because you can't come to terms with your own sexuality. So, so you deal with, you just obsess over something that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. That makes right? sense. And uh, so, yes, it does make sense. And I've seen it since. Um, you you see it on and off. Um, yeah. it, it very, very strangely. Uh, we can talk about it after the, after the <laughs> podcast because we're getting away from. We but are, but I let story. you get there, and that was yeah. on me. Uh, yeah, so what's fascinating is they yeah. immediately go and they see the uh, professor, the English teacher, uh, who is introduced um, 
boxing, uh, well, not boxing, but like hitting a heavy bag. Yeah. And uh, talking uh, talking about how like the the great challenge of uh, being a teacher in the British system today is you're not allowed to hit the kids anymore. <laughs> and so he has a lot of frustration to deal with. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, this obviously. Uh, how shall I put this? They're like, uh, want to know about the kid. And he's like, I barely knew him. And Fitz, of course, is like. Well, he ended up with this book. I'm pretty sure you knew him better than that, but he's not, you know, confronting him yet. Yeah. Right. He's not, uh, he's not deal. He's not, you know, digging in with the contradictions. He's just trying to sound it out. Yeah. Get him to talk, sound it out, figure out what's going on. But points out how effeminate Tim, the dead kid was. Yeah. That was Tim. Yeah. that was his name and and so, the best part is they ask the teacher do you live alone and he responds yeah but i'm thinking about getting married and fitz immediately says to somebody on staff yeah like to another teacher and the guy's like yeah but he's obviously troubled that fitz immediately knew that but he doesn't know why he's troubled that fitz immediately knew that which of course is going to be key in a minute but i i liked that moment where where Fitz is like exactly knows what's going on with this guy. We don't necessarily know what's going on with this guy, but it's just like it's about the context of the laws in England at the time. So then they do the um the the message to the public, right? The family does the message to the public begging for any news. If you run away, please just come home or if you're holding the child, please give him back. So you know, just they do all the right things and the woman who saw the dead body is, you know, emotionally hit by this and does in fact call in to report where the body is. So now they're going to be able to find the body, which is good. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, the thing is, of course she does it in anonymously in the, but of course they know where she's calling. Which doesn't from matter. Home. She calls from her home phone. It doesn't matter that you did it anonymously. <laughs> so then they, they, uh, Yeah, the cops just immediately grab her. And And the problem is, she was cheating on her husband with a guy who is also married to someone else. So she does not want to give the other guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. And so that puts them in a bit of a bind. Yeah. They were just having a good time. And and, I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and then Christopher, this is where, is this where Christopher Eccleston goes? Oh, no, he goes nuts at the guy. Yeah, he goes nuts at the guy later. Yeah, yeah, but they're still trying to push her, right? How can you, how can you not? How could yeah. you not report this? How could somebody not report this? What if you've been, you know, so. Yeah. But, but we yeah, did have the. Uh, find the body. But first, we did get the scene where we do the notification. Where uh, Christopher Eccleston completely, because he's so freaked out about his child. You know, this troubled pregnancy they had, which we find out later, he completely botches the notification. Yeah, it's and Penn really- Halligan has to take over the notification. Yeah, because he he insisted, because Penn Halligan did say, I'll do the notification. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, I can do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sure, you dickhead. I know, That's right? Awesome, basically. <laughs> yes, you were a dick. He was. Yeah, yeah, and she says it right to him, which is very nice. Well, because he says... You know, because she's being, no, she's doing her proper yeah. subordinate 
response and he says no you can tell me the truth yeah you were yeah you were a dick you you completely botched this and that's when he comes in and yells at her to try and get the information because he's again looking to blame everybody and looking to just lash out like he's screwing he's screwing this up he should be at home with his wife yep because he's not being useful as a cop but it's what's driving his in his yeah more than normal being an asshole yeah oh my god uh and just in a uh in a in a funny thing right the uh and i mean this is just a minor point but i think it's worth mentioning uh when they're talking we then uh cut to fitz and his wife and she's got a bank uh note from uh, to show him and he looks it over and he's like whew uh and when they joke about his terrible economic, like his terrible finances, uh, he essentially, you know, it's like, who's as bad as that? And his response is, oh, maybe Robert Maxwell, which is a joke that might not make sense <laughs> <laughs> to most people if they don't know who that is. But he was, a, I mean, it was a banker and it was incredibly scandalous at the time because he was one of these complete fraud banker who lost everybody's money. And then, uh, quote unquote, fell off of his yacht right before he had to go to jail, probably drowned himself in the ocean. Well, that's that's that. Well, it, it's the similar thing to what's his face in the pyramid scheme guy in the States. Uh, Bernie Madoff. Madoff. Except yeah. Madoff did not kill himself. No, except went that Madoff went to jail. Yeah. yeah. But this guy killed himself instead of having to go to jail. And his daughter was Ghislaine Maxwell of the, you know, child molestation fame. So yeah, just, just quite quite the family we're dealing with here. Yes, <laughs> but at the time we did not know that Gislin would turn into a an absolute monster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God! And then of course, so we see uh, how sh- uh, we've got more frustration, right? Because Fitz absolutely begged her to come back. But now he's very uncomfortable and can't have sex with his wife. And it's like, well, why were you so desperate for me to come back and have a family? And of course, he's all wrapped up in jealousy and inadequacy. And she slept with somebody else. And he's, of course, taking it out on her. Naturally. It's yeah. all her fault. It has and to be he all can't, fault. Yeah, and he can't cope with it. So then we get a truly bizarre scene where the... <laughs> They go to get, they call the ME in on his day off to confirm that the kid was murdered and did not kill himself. And he comes in dressed in a like war of 1812 circa uniform. Maybe circa, I think he was being Nelson. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe he was being Admiral Nelson. Yeah. Even further back. Yeah. Because he's got, you know, like these this green outfit and the epaulets and the medals. Like, and the hat. Don't and the hat. No, the can't hat. forget the hat. Yeah. Because he was going off to a costume party. Yeah. This is why you have to call me. Of course he was murdered. Yeah. Can't you see the lividity of his face? He was murdered. He was left on the ground and then strung up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Trying oh. to get lost in himself. Yeah. All right. And so then we get the interview with the man who was there when the body was found. Right. Uh, And of course, Eccleston also, you know, screams at him because he's dealing with his own stuff. 
and he is not dealing with it well. Right. But finally they get information out of him, which is that they saw a jogger in the area. Right. They saw a jogger going by and the the woman didn't see it, but he did. And so there was definitely somebody in the area, maybe the killer, maybe a witness. We don't know. But there is someone else they can look to for information. And this is where he yells at Penhaligon for saying that his, you know, personal life was interrupting with his, uh, interfering with his work, which of course we can all tell it absolutely is. He's not coping at all. Nope. Yeah. And this is where we find out that she's a week overdue. And so he hasn't been sleeping at all. Yeah. And not only that, but, but that, that, and then when she leaves, somebody else tells her. Yeah. About the, what the significance of this is. Yeah. Yeah, This is not their first kid. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a scene with the brother of all things. Right search it like rushing around the from classroom to classroom and we don't know what he's doing and then he beats up a kid looking for the bully yeah looking for the bully who bullied his brother yeah yeah and then the cops have to pull him out of there and yes yeah and then then he yells it but he pointedly also yells at the teacher for not doing anything to protect this kid who was constantly being bullied. The English teacher, Cassidy. Particularly the English teacher, because he says, and I know my brother talked to you. Yeah. You knew. You knew how bad this was. So you didn't do, and you didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And oof. And then he gets sort of interrogated and he's screaming about how it wasn't his fault because Mm -hmm. that's the other part of the thing that Fitz brings up. Well, why didn't you protect your brother? Yeah. yeah. And no, no, it was the school that was supposed to protect my no, why didn't you protect your brother? Yeah. And then we and have then Fitz. Said, oh yeah. No, no, I mean, no, we we need to No, no, we, we'll get through this first, yes. But I did I just wanted to shout out what an amazing job the writing is in the scene where Fitz talks to the parents and yeah. does his condolence meeting with the parents. Just the, the writing is this unbelievable sequence. Like, it's so good. Yeah, I was I was blown away by this scene. But anyway, yes, we can continue with the brother. Well, you know, and then there's the, you know, and he, he's doing with the brother, you know, he's talk, insisting that the brother didn't protect his, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, he was a, I think he does call him a homo. And he says that my mates couldn't stand. Well, what am I supposed to do? You know, go against my mates. Yeah. And Fitz says, yeah. <laughs> no, right? Of course, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to protect yeah. your little brother. Yeah. And then there's the scene with the father. Yeah. It's that, that is sort of sad because he says, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. This there horrible was- scene where he's like, he didn't have anything in common with his older brother. With the older brother, right? He didn't like anything. And as Fitz says, and so boom, then you got Tim and you thought, okay, well, I'll do everything with Tim. And instead you got a daughter. Yes. And that's the first time that's the. That it's brought up. And almost only allusion to the idea that this child was trans and should have been born a girl. Yeah. And I mean, although that is clear to the watcher, if you look at the pictures. Yeah. 
You just can't. You everything just, about this child's presentation is clearly girl. feminine. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the teacher said effeminate and now, but finally Fitz just comes out and says it. And you got her daughter. Yeah. And I, the funny thing is, is it's not the father, I think, who has the... He what? just didn't know what to do about it. Yeah. He was more flummoxed. I I mean, that's the impression you get from... Watching the way, them. Watching the father and watching. I'm not sure about the mother. Yeah. You know, um... Yeah, the the mother is a very weird character in this whole scenario. Yeah, um, and um, you know the the mother refuses to allow the father to comfort her. Instead, you know, lets the older son comfort her. And I'm just going, oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going like it. It it is. This was a terrible family. Um, and the poor father saying, I always hoped that there would be some crisis that would bring us back together again. I know. And he said, he said, but this is not the crisis I wanted. He said, I got a crisis, but this is not what I wanted. Oh, God. That you know, scene. Yeah, I mean, those things, that, those scenes, if there is anyone in this group that I actually feel sorry for, it's probably the father. Yeah. Because he didn't know what to do. No. And that was all. It wasn't he didn't dislike. I mean, the brother actively did not protect his brother. Yep. The older son. The mother seems to have ignored who mm -hmm. her son was. Yep. You know, and rather than just accepting it, you know, no, the mother just pretended it wasn't happening. Pretended it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Then we'll get to how this child was betrayed by the teacher. Yeah, but then we get the scene, we cut away to the teacher, right? Uh, teaching in class and reading from the same poetry book. That's key. And clearly f starting to freak out. Then we see him at home doing his marking, crying and drinking whiskey. And then he's like, screw it. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And so he goes and he flips on the gas from the stove and he puts his head next to the open stove, weeping. <laughs> And he realizes nothing is happening. And we look out the window and they're doing construction on the street no, and the no, gas is no, turned no. off. No, no, no. You've missed it. No, no. He goes and he checks the gas because no. we saw the construction he earlier. He checks the gas. No, but that's not what it is. It's not the construction. What happened is the gas is going and then all of a sudden it stops. So yeah. he goes, checks the meter. And he has to put more money in the meter. Oh, they got one of those coin operators. I thought it was because of the... I thought it was because no, of the construction no, no, outside. No. Yeah, yeah by the way, that's a, that's an insane thing that they have in England. They literally have coin-operated gas lines. You know? In so their houses. Oh, and it was the same thing. Like, it's in lots of places, like you saw in Australia, it wasn't so much coins, but you yeah. had to turn on the heater separately. It would go go for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's it's the strangest thing in England uh, yeah. where, like, literally you have to put in X amount of quids, dollar coin, to unlock X amount of minutes of gas for your stove. It's such a strange system, but it's like, it is, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it is the same thing. But I remember in Holland, like they used to have to there was a hot water when you wanted to take a shower or to do the dishes. Like under, there was a little hot water tank over the sink. Yeah. And you lit the gas underneath it mm -hmm. to heat up the water when you wanted to do dishes. So strange to me. 
Well, yes, I know. Very efficient and very cheap. Yeah. No, and I think that's it. I mean, my water tank, right? We never thought about things like that. Yeah, of course. You know, um, you know, my water tank is on all the time. Yeah. Well, no, it's just interesting because it's like yeah. here we have meters and people have est- come and they check the yeah. meter or they have just estimated or now they do it all digitally and they just know. But back in the day, someone would actually come by and like collect the coins from out of your. Yeah. From out of yeah. your meter. That's so it's so bonkers to me that that's how that is the system they used, you know? Well, you know, when you have. It's like they would say in Australia, it never got too cold for central heating and it yeah. never got hot enough for air conditioning. I might argue with them coming from <laughs> Canada. Yeah. You know, it's a different process, right? You're, you, once you We have different uh, standards for what is too hot. Yes. And too cold, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, and they didn't. I mean, I don't know. You had space heaters. Yeah. You ha- but you had very efficient and very safe space heater space heaters. All right. Very, very different. But anyway, it's the same, it's the same thing. And those are far more efficient in terms of when we are now talking to get us to switch to those kinds of things. Yeah. Is a hell of a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, to the idea, yeah, you know, and plus impractical. In the winter, you have to have some kind of sense. You know, or oh, totally die. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah. Anyway, yes. But that was the reason why. Yeah. He, he is unable to coins. kill himself. Oh, he, that's he that coins to put in. He didn't have any more coins. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. So he, so he goes to jump off a building. Yes. And, and I don't know the reports in oh, the building, but Fitz shows up. And then we get the most pivotal thing for understanding what happens in the rest of the episode. Yeah. The guy is sitting on the edge, right? And he's ready to jump off and Fitz comes in and he starts, you know, talking about flying and talking about, and that none of what's going to happen, like none of his early talking gets him to get back from the roof. No. But then Fitz says, Tim didn't kill himself, by the way, he was murdered. And that hits the teacher like a ton of bricks and he immediately pulls back from the edge. Yeah. Well, yes. And this is where we get the title too. Oh yes. Then he tells the story about, yeah, that one day a lemming will fly. Yes. Then people wonder why lemmings throw themselves off the cliff. And he's like one day they're teaching. And he's, his theory is that they're teaching themselves to fly. Which is a hell of a theory, but um, it based based of course on it's the pigeons, actual pigeons did it, and one day one of them flapped, yeah, and then the next one flapped more, you know? some more, oh. and then boom. Uh, but it's based on the actual theory. fact that, and this is a fun <laughs> thing. It's based on an evolutionary theory, right? Uh, which is that on, quite honestly, no one knows how flying happened mm-hmm. because the fact is the there are huge evolutionary advantages caused by being able to fly. Basically, yeah. now nothing can prey on you. It's a huge advantage. But yep. the problem is, any any midpoint of b- going from not being able to fly to being fly is a huge disadvantage. Like not having hands, right? Not having yeah. hands or claws or anything, right? 
uh, is a massive dis- evolutionary disadvantage. And so it's like, how did whatever these midpoints between lizards and birds survive for millions of years until they figured out how to fly? And as Fitz says, millions of years of pigeons just jumping off of cliffs until one of them managed to do it. And then those are the ones that, and Survive. the ones that manage to do it are the ones that breed and, more effectively. And then boom, suddenly everybody boom. can fly. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, it, fascinating. It, yeah. I, and so, and then Fitz does his dramatic thing. Okay. And steps up and says, okay, let's be lemmings and see if we can fly. I know. And the guy grabs him off Fitz the and pulls him back. Yeah. Yeah. But everything, this is pivotal. And, and, but the thing is, is that you don't understand that it's pivotal when Fitz said he was murdered. Yeah, that's the key moment. We don't, we don't understand the meaning of that. No. No. That the guy, this changes somehow or another changes. Changes everything for teacher. him. Yeah. Yes. And we don't find that out until near the end. Yeah, till right at the end. Because yeah. they go to bring the teacher in, and when they're coming in. Oh, God. Yeah. I know. Oh, I mean, the worst. I mean, this There's is. There's a giant riot happening. Gone. Yeah. And they. They try to overturn the police car. Yeah. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. horror because because Penhaligon will not let the other cops take him in. No. And they've all decided that he's gay and he's killed this child. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she won't let the other cops take him in. Yep. And then by the time they get to the police station, there's this mob waiting to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, if they could have grabbed him out of that car, they would have killed him. Oh, yeah. That's and, what they do. You know, it was just led, of course, by the father, who now I've lost sympathy for him, right? Yep. You know, the father and, and the son and everything else. Mm-hmm. The whole family's there for this lynching. Yeah, potential lynching. And and Pen, and Penn Halligan just consistently just calls, get out here. Get yep. out here. It turns out that Eccleston was asleep. Yep. Had fallen asleep in his office. And he didn't know any of this was going on. Mm-hmm. And so she had to handle it all on her own. Yeah. And but they managed to get other cops out there and get they him. They drag him in the yeah. station. Thankfully. Yes. Until later. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. As uh, we get there. As you say, when we get there, we'll talk about that. But oof. And then we have the whole screaming scene in the police station with the cops. Mm-hmm. That these guys, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Not protecting the police station. Yep. Uh, but they get the crowd settled down to the extent they can get the crowd settled down. And they uh then we see them talking to Mr. Cassidy's alibi, his supposed girlfriend. Sure who they immediately assume is covering for him because he's actually gay. Yeah. Right. And that's the key part, right? Everyone now is assuming he's gay and he's a pedophile, right? Yep. And he's killed this little boy. Yep. Right. And as uh, Fitz says, <laughs> he runs through the whole thing. How is it that you haven't at least you've been dating you know, for three years and he won't set a date and he's not committed. How can you not have at least suspected that he was gay? Right. And then they say, look, here's the thing. 
if you real if you were with him, fine. But if you weren't with him, you're going to be blamed by that mob outside. <laughs> and so she stops from giving him an alibi. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> he, what he says is, I was marking. I went out for a jog. Yeah. I went back to marking. Although we do have a what I thought was a very funny moment, where it's like, uh, how could you like when uh, Beck says he's gay? And it's like, how would you not? Uh, it's like. Uh, and oh, she's yeah, like, you got, you and she's, no, no, the, she says, they take him to a safe house. No, no, no. This is before that. This is before that. She, he's talking to the girlfriend and oh, her okay. response to him saying like, he's gay. You're the one with and the he mustache. responds, you're the one with the mustache. mustache is what she says to him. Oh, it's so beautiful. And, uh, this is something that is not, you know, well known now, but that is a, a big part of the, uh, ass- Why the assumption is. is- yeah, exactly. Well, no, it's the Freddie Mercury look. Basically, yeah, if you got this bushy upper lip mustache, people are going to assume you're gay throughout yeah. England. Have you ever seen the ad? There's a recent ad that is absolutely adorable. But anyway, What's we'll this? talk later. Okay. It, no, it, it's I, I see it every now and then. Yeah. Actually, I think I've seen it for projects oh. about this, I, I would assume, trans child. Uh, it, it's hard to know how you're supposed to read it, right? Right. But growing a slight mustache. Yeah. Starting to get and getting very upset by this. Yeah. And then starts looking at all of these other people. And and finally she decides on the Freddie Mercury look. <laughs> right. And so she orders stuff from God only knows where. It all comes and she goes to school in in looking like Freddie Mercury and she's happy. She's adorable. Accepted, right. So Freddie Mercury was the model there. Oh, one hundred percent. I think I think Freddie Mercury had a lot to do with the popularization of that look. Yes. <laughs> well, right. he wasn't gay. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I mean, for God, I mean, I get into arguments with people too about Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Like, I okay, yeah, okay, it wasn't accurate. No. There were problems with it in terms of its chronology and blah 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 blah. Yeah. But my. God, was it, was it. It was emotionally true. Emotionally true and and so effective of the, or reflective of the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah. The 70s I mean, right through yeah. the to the early 90s. Yeah. 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 No, it just, anyway, we yeah. won't, we won't go where, well, this, this this episode makes me so angry at the British. I know. All right. So now we get to the interview of the teacher. Freddie. Right. Yeah. We got the interview of the teacher who claims nothing. Right. Like yeah. I had no involvement. Oh. I marked papers. I jogged. That was it. Yeah. Right. But the problem is they found uh, the teacher's hair yeah. on the shirt he died in. Yeah. Now, of course... You and I know that hair analysis isn't a real thing. That's just a lie the FBI made up. But for the purposes of this show. And for the purposes of most shows. Hair. We just have to accept that it is proof. Right? And. And these are the days before DNA. Yeah. Understand. We're not having DNA analysis. Yeah. And this is the key part. He says, uh. Fitz starts talking about how this young 
beautiful boy. I understand if you weakened. I understand if you were tempted. You just have to tell me. And the guy is just 100% resolute that he yeah. never saw Tim that day. No circumstances. You're just wrong. Yes, and I mean, Fitz explains, yes, but he got dressed up to go out. You don't get dressed up. Well, no, that's out. later. The dressed up to go out is... Uh, oh, never mind. And yeah. I know, I know. But more importantly, we get the lineup scene where they bring in the guy who saw the jogger, right? Yeah. And he looks people over and he walks directly up to uh, the teacher, to Cassidy, and says, I know this man. He teaches at this school my kids uh, go to. I am 100% certain that it is not this man. Yes. And as uh, the cops are really pissed off about this, they're like, he's just, he knows that this guy must be the suspect. He's seen the news and he wants to be kept. He wants to like not have his wife find out and he wants to not go into court. So he's pretending he, that's not who he saw. Yeah. Ugh. So it's incredibly frustrating for them. Understandably frustrating for them. All right. And now we have... And who knows if he was... We never find the answer to whether he really was the jogger. No, we don't. It's one of the many things we're frustrated by in this episode. In this episode, yeah. It's a very frustrating episode. But the point is, he there is now officially... I mean, they've got a hair on a shirt. You know, <laughs> that's not... That's good enough. That, but it, but it's not enough to charge him. That's the point, yeah. right? It is one hundred percent. It's not enough to charge him, so they can't do anything. And so, the, but the problem is they can't let send him home because he'll be murdered by the crowd of people. Yeah. So they've got to take him in. They've got to like secure him somewhere. Yeah. You know. Uh, and so they drag him off. And they're going to secure him somewhere. <sighs> and, and then so they go back, back to his apartment. And remember how there was construction being done on the street outside? Well, uh, the dad, while they're busy going through his apartment, the dad grabs on one of those construction cranes. Smashes and, it, runs it into and the And smashes it through the wall trying to kill him. Yep. And we find out that uh, uh, something unbelievably suspicious. But this is, by the way, this is the piece of information that they find out right before the thing explodes through the wall so they don't, we don't get to think about it. In Timothy's book, the marking book, the teacher has written, I'm sorry, over and over again in it. Yeah. Again, it's not looking good for him. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's not looking good for him. It really isn't. And now we get, we come up on the pivotal scene. Ugh. Because we get Beck just abusing uh, Cassidy over and over again, talking about how much he hates gay people. You know, and like just why uh, he hates lesbians and how he hates lesbians. Because there are fewer less women, women to go men. around. <laughs> Jesus, there were less women to go around. Oh, oh my God! I know, right? He is he really didn't doesn't he doesn't care all that much about people being gay because that's more women for, for him. straight men. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is <sighs> just, you wonder why if you don't end up hating the cops after this. <laughs> yeah, and so now we get to 
the fundamental point. We get to the the cracker scene, uh, the scene that we're the reason we watch this show, right? Uh, so we get a scene where Fitz wants to make him read a book, the poetry that the kid wrote, the poetry about how Tim had a crush on Cassidy. Yeah. And as Fitz says, this is the poem that made you kill Tim. Yes. Yeah. And it was a reference to another poem that he read to the classroom and about how beautiful about this girl who is crying because she can't be with someone and how meaningfully found it. And he thought the kids would resonate with him. Yeah. And so he says, and so Fitz lays out what he thinks happens what happened it's like oh of course it's okay you know you've been dealing with being gay this whole life your whole life and it's almost a girl so it's fine for you to experiment but then she she pushed back you went too far too fast and you strangled him and he left on the floor and you've got this rope so you can make it look like a suicide and get away with it and he goes through the whole you didn't mean to do it and then you were trapped and it's just this brutal explanation right <laughs> right and then he but he refuses he refuses he refuses to admit he will not cross the line yeah. all right and then we get the scene of the the son being born to uh baneborough baneborough that's what it is right yeah and then uh we cut back to the the brutal right <sighs> Uh, the brutal interrogation. And in the hotel room. In the hotel room. And Fitz just talks about how you were in love with this little boy, right? And you were harder on him than, than everybody you were else on because you had to hide the fact. And besides, and be, no, and besides, you knew he was really like he was, he looked, he looked just like a little girl and, yeah. or like a, you know, a girl. And, and therefore mm -hmm. it wouldn't be, you know. It, it was just, yeah. I mean, Crocker's pushing him and pushing him. Yeah. And finally. And and this is the brutal line. Because Fitz says, if you confess, I will share your burden. I will share. And the guy looks at and him. And he says, says, I won't let you forget you said that. Yeah. And then he confesses. Yep. Says he did it. Says he did it. And that's it. And that's it, right? And you think, oh, that's it. It's over. Except there's 15 minutes left. Yep. And then the kicker comes. Oh, my God. And then he says, uh, so Fitz goes to see him. Because, you know, he, he wants to, uh, he, he promised him he was Sharon Burden, right? And the guy and just they but first they talk about his life and they talk about whether he uh, uh, has you know ever thought about running away from his life and he talks about how this accusation is destroyed his mother won't talk to him his girlfriend has left him for good he's been fired from his job right yeah so there's so nothing, the, he, there's nothing left yeah, there's, yeah he has no there is no life left for him it's over and to think is he suicidal again well no it's something worse than that. 
Yeah. Uh, but he interrogates Fitz about his life and is like to ask him, you're married. Have you ever considered, you know, r- just abandoning and running away from your life? And of course, earlier in this episode, we didn't mention this because it was just a passing thing. Uh, but Penhaligon had been talking about how she's taking two weeks away and effectively invited Fitz along with her. And he said he and would he go. And he said he would do it. Yeah. And so now this is what this guy's confronting with him. And it's like, do you value your family or not? Right? And this is where he confessed. Uh, This is where the killer unconfesses. And and he's like, you're right. I I guess I had always had been a pedophile. It had never, or a febophile, whatever they want to call it. It had never come up. I've never done anything in the past, but I guess I am. Because I did fancy Tim. Because, and and he's like, and he's the only one who sees it clearly, the only one who ever saw it clearly, because Tim was a girl. Yes. And he's like, that's why I fancied him. And And Tim came to my house that night and confessed that she was a girl. And because she knew I was the only one who would understand. And And I threw her out. And that's when somebody murdered her. Oh, and that's why he was, he felt so guilty. And that's why that's he, why. and that's why he had that horrified. Re- he was guilty because he knew in his heart. It that was Tim his fault. Killed herself because he yes. threw her out. And yes. that's why he stopped wanting to kill himself on the roof. And that's why everything fell apart. And he had no idea what was going on anymore on the roof. Because yeah. he didn't kill Tim. No. He thought he had driven Tim to suicide and that's why he was going to kill himself. You know, and I mean, e- even the father oh. would have been happier if Tim had killed himself, herself. Yeah. yeah. Herself. Ultimately. Herself, yeah. Now, not, now that we know. Now that we know. Yeah. And what, uh, an, ep- what an episode. And, and, and Fitz wants to be like, no, you're lying. And he says, no, you're you want to share my I, burden? Here's what's going to happen. Whoever killed Tim is going to kill someone else and you're going to know that it's your fault. Yeah. And then we yeah. get. Yeah. Cause Cracker is insisting. No. Yeah. You're the one who did it. No, I no. didn't. No, no, I didn't. Yes. I'm responsible for what you saw was being guilt. Out her being out by herself. Yeah. And she was probably despondent. Yep. Completely. And couldn't go home and couldn't go to her dad. Yeah. Because she couldn't explain. Why she was so upset. Mm-hmm. And somebody killed her. Yeah. And so he goes out and he goes to Bainborough and he tries to explain the situation. And, and he Bain- says, we have to look for the guy. And he said, and Bainborough says, what the hell are you talking about? We have built this entire investigation no, around looking for one thing- man. We have told the community that this is the man. We have told my superiors, you know, I'm on a knife's edge in my career because I've been screwing up so much. We've told my superiors this is a man and he's confessed. And has he, but the thing he and says, he has, has he has retracted? He, has he retracted and Fitz says no? Yeah. Well, then there's nothing to do. He yeah. confessed. He won't retract his confession. Then it's fine. I'm not reopening this case. And that's why the episode feels abrupt, because every part of you wants to think, 
they're they're gonna go and they're gonna catch the real guy, right? They're gonna go and find out who actually did it. That's what you think. No, and you see you him watch in, television. in front of the press. In front of the press. Yeah. Well, they He's just confessed. say we got him. Yeah. And it's and it's not like it's not and the thing is Bainborough is not a monster. He's not proud to be doing this. But he's like, we have a suspect. He confessed. No further questions. Yeah, well, yeah. Because the thing is, and he walks like, you know he's feeling guilty about this because normally cops take a victory lap when this kind of thing happens. Yeah. But, and he, he feels guilty about it, but at the same time, what's he supposed to do, right? Yeah. Oh. And, and in fact, that's... To me, that's 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 not the worst part of it. All the stuff leading up to it was just horrible. Yeah. And then when you find out, you see, because you have to try. I mean, and everybody's just working on the assumption that this guy was trying to kill himself because he had killed her. Yeah. Or he had killed, as they would say, this homosexual boy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Killed Tim. Yeah. And that's the only thing they were willing to. Yeah. And that's the only thing anyone's willing to accept. So he's going to go to jail for the rest of his life because he doesn't have anything else. And they will use that. Well, they, there won't be a trial. Because no, of he course can... not. He confessed. He'll just get sentenced. He'll he'll waive a trial. He'll plead yeah. guilty and they'll sentence him. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> even for Cracker, this was a this is a bleak hour of television. Hour and a half of television. Hour and a half of television. And then, and then you get that business of. Oh right! Yes, at the end, Penhaligon's at the train station, waiting, waiting for him, and he doesn't show, and she calls, and he doesn't answer. Yeah. And he just sits there, looking at his uh, wife and kids outside in the park, and he's like, and then he goes and joins them. Yeah. That's actually, I think, the backyard. Yeah, well, the park behind the house. It's it's so friggin' these people have such friggin' huge backyards that I called it a park. And I don't think I was crazy for having done so. No, okay. Because it had changes. Yeah. yeah. That's the end of the season. What uh what a friggin' season of television. Well, it you know, as I said, it's like uh, it was just—you just, get so angry when you look at and understand. Oh, but I see why you like you 30. watch the end of this episode and you think this can't be the end of the season, and it is. It is the thirty, and as I said, and this was only thirty years ago. I know. I mean, that's what infuriates me. As I said, you know what happened fifty and a hundred years ago. That doesn't infuriate me. I'm not one of these people that starts to scream about what happened in the past. Yeah. Because you can't do anything about it. You can't undo it. But the fact is that when we know today how we should be treating people, Mm -hmm. that all of that crap was dead wrong. Yep. Every part of it. Dead wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and people are still behaving like this. And the United States, of course, is really bad. But, you know. England's not a ton better. You know, I mean, and then I'm looking at, I mean, we could get into a political thing. I won't get into it right now. We can save that for next Sunday. We're not going to do it. We're not doing it. Well, I mean, people already know this goes up the Sunday. 
yeah. we we decided not to do a uh I mean tr yes, Trump was indicted, but we yeah. decided to hold off on doing a show about it until he's actually like what are we going to do? Talk about the fact that he's indicted? No, we've got to wait until he's been arraigned. Until he yeah. actually goes to New York and gets fingerprinted and gets mugshotted and then goes into court and then, you know, posts bail or whatever they uh, own recognizance him cuz to be fair, uh he does have the, it's not like he can flee he has the secret service surrounding him <laughs> not like he can go anywhere like they they wouldn't let him they wouldn't let him go to the congress to lead the uh, the riot on july uh on january 6th you think they're gonna let him flee the country i no. don't think so no of course not uh so yeah but only after he's been arraigned and some of this stuff has shaken out uh do we know so it, it was the funniest <laughs> thing right uh the um uh so Seth Meyers the the talk show you know he's known for being anti-Trump because in many ways it was he was the host on that fateful um White House correspondence dinner where Trump was so publicly humiliated that people say that's why he ran for president like that was Seth Meyers who did that right on, and the guy who who wrote the Obama stuff also feels bad. Oh, well, I'm sure, but uh, but the point is they were there, right? And so he he has always been unbelievably anti-Trump, partially because you know he's a decent human being, but partially because I think he feels somewhat responsible on yeah. one level or another. He feels yeah. a little responsible for it. But anyway, so all he does a, a thing called a closer look where he does politics and. Normally, it's one or two of them a week. He did one every day this week because he wanted to be prepped to have a he wanted to have a a closer look scheduled every day of the week in case Trump got uh, arraigned, right? In yeah. case uh, Trump, in case they came back and said you're going to jail, and it happened Thursday at five thirty, which is literally just after he finishes taping his last show of the week so yeah um we're not the only ones who like wish we had more to cover but there you go uh, yeah. But yeah we will he will likely be i mean he's not going to jail they're not going to put him in like riker's eye they might take his passport away they might take his passport away but again like he, how will he get away from the secret service no. Yeah. no the secret service are basically going to be guaranteeing that he shows up for court that's their job, effectively, at this point. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't guess. think I don't. Th okay, let's get back to no, no. But I'm just saying that yeah. it's like so. That's why we're not going to be doing it until he's actually been arraigned. We'll yeah. talk about okay. you know what this means for America. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, but for now, that has this been the episode. episode. We're going to be back next season, next week with next season, with another three-hour episode which some people call the definitive episode of Cracker. Yeah. Uh, it is the Robert Carlyle episode, and it is so good you won't believe it. Yeah, we will be discussing. Because that first season was great. I mean, it was, a, it was an amazing season of television. It was perhaps the most unsatisfying, like, unsatisfying experience of watching a police procedural you will ever get. But if you're going to be here for the ride on Cracker, don't expect to ever get to the end of an episode feeling like, yep, I'm in favor of how the world is at the end of this episode. 
That's not, not what Cracker is for. No, Cracker does not let anybody off the hook. The world sucks. Yep. And it's a rough place to live in. And people do stupid things. And, and... people are horrible to their children. And the yep. fact that they are horrible to their children leans to tragedy. Yep. Because if Tim didn't have parents who were both, and a brother who were all completely unwilling to help her through what she was going through, Tim yep. wouldn't have died. And if uh, yep. Tina the previous week didn't have monstrous parents and an older sister, nobody would have died. Like, yep. this show is, and uh, the they don't get into it in the first episode. But, you know, they are 100% clear that the that the thing that caused this guy to decompensate and go nuts and start murdering was the death of his mother. Yep. Like, the, the blame has always been there. The honesty, the, the forthrightness with how this stuff works has always been there. So it's like, this show knows what it's talking about. Yeah. This show is communicating this stuff clearly. And the tragedy, of course, is that I think about it like, I mean, you and I would be reading too much into this to say this, but there is obviously the undercurrent that the teacher must have been abused himself as a kid and he's not gay and he has a fixation on young girls and that's why he went and he got a job at a boys school. Yeah. Because there's not going to be any temptation around. I don't even, I don't think you're reading. I, I, I think that that's a valid reading of what happened with Cassidy. A, a reading with half what happened with Cassidy. Yeah, because he went to a boys' school, and who? How is he ever going to meet a little girl in a boys' school? And then, well, he, turns out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that having genitalia makes you a boy, but everything else about Tim was a girl. Yeah, everything. And the only thing that matters in patriarchal society, society. whether or not you have a wang dang noodle. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, the problem is uh, the the tragedy of this show is that it is such a brutal watch. Yeah. But it is the most empathetic TV show you're ever going to see. That's what's so weird about it. I mean, Cracker is empathetic. It is. And he does, you know. understand what makes these people and it is the the idea that you understand what makes what happens to people and you can find it in their lives in their lives and that you still do not think that they shouldn't be punished when as adults that uh, you know i mean they have to pay as he said to last week to Tina. Yeah. And to Sean, right? Yes. You will go to jail. There is no question about that. Mm-hmm. But I can do something for you. And we'll we'll never get a follow-up with Tina. We never get follow-ups. I mean, we asked that question with Tony too, yeah. right? There was more likelihood because Tony worked out of a psychiatric hospital. And the first episode literally ends with him going to take her on as a patient. Yeah. You know, so you know that 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 sort of Tony does that, but Cracker, on the other hand, teaches for the most part. Yeah, he's not he's he is not a criminal psychologist. 
He is not a guy who, you know, delves into the mind of criminals. He does it professionally, but it's not his passion. No. You know, he doesn't. We don't. His passion is gambling, gambling, right? Any kind of gambling. Yes, racing dogs mostly, but any gambling he can do. He just wants the feeling of winning money or losing money. He really doesn't care. He He wants the highs. He wants the lows. Yeah. That's the adrenaline rush. Yeah, he just wants the adrenaline rush. Yeah. It's why he's so fascinatingly loathsome. Yes. All right. So uh, that is that. Cracker really is the best show. I mean, we've now seen the first season. I'm like, uh, no, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. They're all was, three it, episodes are just incredible. And you could, you could, th- though you can see, you know, sometimes why, you know, you watch it once and, it, it's really funny because I've never rewatched it. It's been on the li- at the library and stuff like that. But yeah. for some reason, you know, it's and then it just fits into this show mm-hmm. podcast and we can't avoid doing it. But take look at how long it took us to get there. I know because we so I mean, I said, I well, fundamentally we knew it was going to be rough. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I kept bringing it up and you go, well, no, we got to do wise guy next. Yeah. No, we got to do this next. And I'm going, yeah, yeah I know, but there comes a point when we had to do Cracker. Yeah, and, 100%. Uh, what, and what an episode. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I wouldn't even want to try and pick which is the best episode of this season. Oh, I, no, we're not doing that. It, we, we, we can't. Can. You can't. I mean, it, there is no best. There is no worst. There is... There's just not, not one of these episodes is bad. Like, yeah. like there's nothing that we can. All you can say is that you could the even first do... episode, the only thing you can say is that the first episode um, does not follow the format that the rest of the show would follow. But, but you that can't may even, have been deliberate. Yeah. Cause they want to introduce you to this world and this characters yeah. and who fits is. Yeah. Because. I mean, the, the second two are very similar, although uh, this one does have the kicker of he didn't do it, yeah. which the first episode also had. But like structurally, it's much closer to the second episode. But, oh, yeah. No, no. This is structurally closer to the second episode. Plus, he didn't do it, but he is. He confesses and it he's, all tracks. And he's guilty. And so this this sits. This is always and you will always remember that this is sitting on Fritz. Yeah. This is going to be another Made thing weighing him down. And the key part is he doesn't run away from it at the end of the episode. He doesn't run oh. away from his life at the end of the episode. For the for the first time. Yeah. And he's like, Christ, maybe if I was paying better attention and maybe I was better at my job, I would have seen that it was just guilt for causing no. uh, Tim's death, not for actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's such a fantastic episode. Okay, let's let let. All right, we're gonna end it here. We're gonna stop just talking about how great this two hours. Yeah, because we're gonna hit. I know, I know. It's terrible. All right, so that's that. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have, uh, oh, sorry, if you have been listening to this on any, some sort of an app or podcatcher, rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here 
next time for uh, the what I like I said, a three hour episode that some people think is the best episode of Cracker. We'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, but until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good weekend week. <laughs>